Hello, Movie Marathoners, and welcome to the Movie Marathoners Sundance 5K series, a series of short episodes centered on the films released at the 2021 Sundance Film Festival. I'm your host, Mati, and in this episode, I'm joined by film critic Lindsay Dunn, whose writing can be found on oneofmystories.com, and we are reviewing Prisoners of the Ghostland. Lindsay, how are you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. How's, uh, how's your festival been so far? Well, as you can imagine, I haven't been sleeping too much. Yep. <laughs> I am enjoying it a lot. This is my first Sundance, but it's not my first film festival. So I have experienced before the barrage of watching movie after movie after movie and trying to keep up with it all. And I, I'm loving it. It's, it's great. Um, I'm enjoying the variety of films. Everything has been at least watchable, if not yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely overwhelming, but it is a pretty awesome opportunity. And there's just so many good and if not good, at least interesting films here. So definitely. let's get straight into it. And just as a reminder, every Sundance 5K series episode will be completely spoiler free. So first, a synopsis of what we're talking about today. Prisoners of the Ghostland. A notorious criminal is sent to rescue an abducted woman who has disappeared into a dark supernatural universe. They must break the evil curse that binds them and escape the mysterious revenants that rule the Ghostland. An east meets west vortex of beauty and violence. Prisoners of the Ghostland stars Nicolas Cage and Sophia Butella. It is written by Aaron Hendry and Reza Sikso Safai, and it is directed by Sion Sono. So, Lindsay, we saw this film late last night. We decided not to record immediately after because we wanted to go to sleep. We are doing it first thing in the morning. So what are your overall thoughts on Prisoners of the Ghostland? Wow. Prisoners was a very fun roller coaster ride with lots of style, a finely shifted blend of Eastern Western cinematic sensibilities. Nick Cage is allowed to show signs of his unhinged abilities, yet on the Cage scale, he turns in a very controlled performance. I also really <laughs> loved... <laughs> yeah, That just says something about the scale of Cage, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, if, if, if you love Cage, you're going to like it, but yet it's not full-on Cage, uh -huh. which sometimes he can do. Uh, the production design and set decoration allow for these really glossy, color-saturated scenes that could have been taken straight from a comic book, yet it doesn't traipse into that frantic camera work those sometimes have. There's very operatic fight choreography, inspired music choices, apocalyptic world-building, and a large cast of international characters that blend and make Prisoners a cinematic treat. Wow, so you sound really positive on it. Is, is that fair? I loved it. I have enjoyed many of the films at the festival that are on the more serious side, but it is delightful to just see a director having fun. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what the director of this film was doing, was going for, is that he wanted a film that audiences would enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I feel like a lot of people will. I, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit is definitely out there and it's definitely intentionally um chaotic and so because of that there's some time sometimes stuff just like happens and it's like okay that happened we're moving on to the next thing and there isn't quite like this beautiful cohesive flow to it but it's instead it's kind of more of like a beautiful chaos and i think if you're into that type of film 
then it's going to really, really work for you. And I, we should say that、uh, Sion Sono is a very established Japanese director. This is his first English language film. There is still a lot of Japanese in it because it's filmed in Japan, but it's a predominantly English film. And I like that transition. And as, the, as you said, as the summary said, the East meets West、uh, vortex or whatever they called it is, is pretty fun to experience. Yeah, I, I agree with you full heartedly. Beautiful chaos. I like that phrasing. Maybe I'll <laughs> steal it for some other thing moment one day, but definitely. It kind of reminded me of a live action Miyazaki film in the sense that a lot of the Miyazaki films, I, I would say those, those have more of a cohesive narrative or some sort of like. Message that they're trying to send. I feel like this is sort of just like, let's go a little batshit and have Nicolas Cage yell testicle and, and all this <laughs> stuff. But those films also have this really nice visual palette and they have these very beautiful either creature designs or character designs. And this film has a lot of that too. It has a lot of these like side characters that just, if you looked at them in a screenshot, you'd like see all these really intricate things. There's like a, a rat man and these ghosts. Prisoners and, and all this crazy shit that's just really fun to look at. And I, I kind of wish that they gave you a little more of the like lore of that land instead of just kind of like making it a visual treat. But the visual treat alone is pretty good too. Yeah, there were definitely many repeating visual motifs that popped up, very eye catching. And that's where that, I guess for me, that sort of Comic book sensibility comes from where、mm. they're doing a lot with the imagery where it's, it's meant to kind of blaze a memory in your eyeball. And then every time that pops up, you're adding to that and going, oh, here's that object again. And you know, there's, there's a particular scene that also I think just had lots of bright colors and It was this very normal thing that happened. Again, we don't want to go into spoilers, but it was something that could have been filmed in a very boring way, but yet you're watching it and going, wow, that's beautiful to look at. I want to sit here and enjoy it. <laughs> like if, you're, if you were watching as if you're watching a piece of artwork there for a moment. The、um, opening scene, even alone, is just like the very first shot is bright, bright colors. And I was like, oh, yes, colors. Because I feel like a lot of the Sundance films, they are beautiful to look at, but a lot of them are really heavy. And、uh, I mean, I started my Sunday with mass. So it was really nice to end my Sunday with this, where you could kind of, you know, shut your brain off a little bit and just be like, let's watch Nicolas Cage do some samurai action stuff. But yeah, there was, there was definitely some lore, but it didn't, it didn't go quite, quite far enough into that for you to get a sense of, of what it was if you wanted them to linger on that more. But it did allude to that a little, where you were getting sort of a cultural thing that happens, but you're not sure exactly what it means. And that's the, the moments where I wanted, would have really liked to have you know, a conversation where you could say, oh, is that, that is something from the Japanese culture, or I've seen this before. Because there are, there are, my knowledge of Japanese cinema. Is very small. I have some, but、mm -hmm. it's bringing in some styles from you know, directors of the past. And it would be nice if I could recognize it. But that's part of the process of being a film critic. You have to earn that over time with your、yeah. many, many hours <laughs> of watching movies. Yeah. And I feel like we've put in quite a bit of hours this weekend for sure. <laughs>、um, 
what did you think about the ending sequence and the kind of showdown at the very end? Because for me, that was really exciting. And I kind of wished that there was more of that type of action earlier in the film. Because the rest of the film is more of just exploring this world. But there's not a ton of um, action-packedness in the first, I would say, hour and a half even. But then at the end, it kind of finally gives you that. And it's pretty fun, I would say. Perhaps I'm on on the same page with you because, you know, at the opening, we get the set of parameters that Cage has. And it's like you have this amount of time and you have this particular outfit with all these gadgets on it and it works this way. They spent a lot of time building that up. And so as he was on his quest to rescue the granddaughter or the niece, I expected there was going to be a lot more challenges put in his way than maybe happened. Um, Maybe not as much as Kill Bill because you had (laughs) you had to like she had to obviously go through a set of challenges almost almost like on a video game scale where you're like, you have to reach this level and do this thing. There wasn't that to get to so the the ending is you know sort of a relief and where you you have the the action and the the kick-ass operatic fight choreography um there was one character that pulled out some moves and i wondered where did they get that skill set because we haven't seen that at all (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, so you didn't you hadn't quite earned maybe that character hadn't earned that in your in your mind, they hadn't earned that place to be able to do it, but yet it was kind of nice to see also because it showed that everybody was fighting for their life and not just Cage. You know, he was a hero, yet he wasn't the only hero. Yeah the the other I don't know the, the other criticism I guess I would have of the film is that I think it underutilizes Sophia Butella, who I think is wonderful. You know, she's in Kingsman and she's a total badass in that movie and so to kind of reduce her to a an abducted woman that Nicolas Cage has to save uh it's it's like a a trope and I I think that there is some commentary on that trope but I was sort of like man you're getting Sophia Butella here have her kick some ass and and she does eventually a little bit but I was kind of thinking that this was going to be like a Nick Cage plus Sophia Butella ass kicking thing and it didn't really turn into that it wasn't a, f- a full partnership that they showed on screen. Yeah. I haven't seen her in any action things yet. I saw her in an episode of Love, uh, the show. The There's a TV show that's based Modern on the Love. column. Yeah. Modern, Modern Love, Love I think. yes. And I remember her just being very, she had a strong presence on screen um, in that. So I was glad to see her in something else again, doing something completely different. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's definitely a different film. Uh, very, very bizarre. I think it, if you are interested in this type of film, I think you'd probably like it a lot. But uh, Lindsay, to close us out, since we're the Movie Marathoners podcast here, I've been trying to ask these marathon-related questions, usually pretty stupid. And I'm going to ask one that's like equally out there to match this movie. So if you had to run a marathon, and during the marathon, you could only listen to the dialogue of one character from a Nicolas Cage movie, like Nicolas Cage in one of his movies, which character would it be? So he's like yelling at you the whole time in some <laughs> sort of Nicolas Cage character impression. Oh, the 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 character he played in Face Off has to be my favorite all time <laughs> Cage performance. So I would I would pick that because he's wild and out there in that movie. Yeah. 
I mean, he's wild and out there in every single movie, but yeah, absolutely. I think I'd probably go with Ben Gates from National Treasure because that's just like a a childhood soft spot of mine. But, you know, I feel like him yelling at you in a marathon would either like really compel you or it would make the experience even more miserable. So it'd be a gamble, but who knows? Anyways, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Where can people find your work online? Well, Mati, like you said at the beginning of the episode, my website is oneofmystories.com. That's the number one, the numeral one, not the word one. You can also find me on Twitter at one of my stories. If you happen to log movies on Letterboxd, I am also there at one of my stories. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. This has been a Movie Marathoner's Sundance 5K series episode reviewing Prisoners of the Ghostland. Be sure to stay tuned for more Sundance coverage. You can find all of our Sundance 5K series and the main feature episodes of Movie Marathoners, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, at our website, evergreenpodcasts.com slash movie marathoners, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and remember that life's a marathon, so let's take it one movie at a time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death of a Film Star. Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.